All right, so as Invest in Square Feet is a group of business owners who are committed to growing their net worth by investing in real estate. So last week, we decided to come together and spend the week tracking the different topics and the different things that we were doing, right? I'm using an app called Toggle, T-O-G-L, to essentially just track everything that I'm doing. And the intention with this deliverable is to create a list of different things, different strategies or different topics that business owners are doing on a regular basis. So imagine having 40 or 50 people that are all combining together and you're picking out some of these major components, these major things that people are doing on a daily basis, right? And then what you do is you create an SOP and you share those SOPs with the group so that way you understand these are the exact steps that people are taking to be able to better their social media or marketing or client relations, whatever it might be, whatever that topic is, there's going to be a number of different people that are excelling at specific things in their life, right? So again, the goal is to be able to identify what it is that you're spending your time on, which is incredibly valuable in itself, but then also to be able to standardize those exact tasks that are more valuable than other things so that the group can be able to work together and be able to learn from one another and learn the exact steps that other people are taking in various parts of their business. Extremely excited to see how this all works out. If you are an accredited business owner who is looking to grow your net worth by investing into real estate, go ahead and check us out at investinsquarefeet.com. Again, investinsquarefeet.com for all accredited business owners who want to grow their net worth by investing in real estate. Today, we've got a great episode with Jen and Stacy Conkey, who have created a Facebook group that has an amazing following. And today we're going to learn exactly how they did that. And we're even going to learn how big is too big for your Facebook group. They actually have identified a specific range that you should be targeting for your Facebook groups to be able to keep them manageable and more engaged. I had the W-2 side. So I went to college, got my degree, went and worked at Arthur Anderson, got my CPA license, went to corporate America, was climbing that ladder. And I was about 28 almost 29 when I first even heard of real estate investing as a thing. And I was like, that's, and someone was explaining it. You just using a fourplex. And I was like, that, that is so logical. My accountant brain was like, oh, yes, four rents, one mortgage, cash flow. I, I got to learn up more about this. So that's what started my journey. But I had been in working regular jobs, W2s up until that point. I don't recommend people do this, but I was so enthusiastic and so excited about all the possibilities that I, I quit my job very quickly. And you know, it creates a lot of pressure when you don't have a good backup plan. But so I went into uh, real estate investing full time really quickly. And yeah, so my, my journey was a little stressful in the beginning. So you're a fan of burning the ships as well. Huh? <laughs> I did burn the ships. I don't know that I'd say I'm a fan of it in hindsight, but it was effective. Yep. <laughs> I, I did the same thing. I did the same thing. So talk a little bit about your, both of your, I guess, 
first steps into real estate investing? Stacy, it sounds like you jumped right in both feet. What were those first initial things that you were looking at? Was it quads? Was it single families? Were you fixing flippers? Like, What did that look like for you guys? For me, it started with fix and flip. It was 2002. My brother, he pulled up and he said, hey, let's go to the store. And I was like, okay. And six hours later, after driving for dollars, he was explaining to me about, hey, you can flip for profits. And I was so focused on my career at the time. I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about, but that sounds fascinating. Tell me more. And then we ended up like creating an LLC and going for it and flipping. Did the DIY approach. I didn't really know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I, I just fire ready aim went for it, which was different than what I had done in corporate America. I was very regimented, disciplined and had a plan and did the things. But with this, for whatever reason, I was like, let's just do it and got excited about it. And seven months and only $1,500 later in profit, I decided, God, this is a bummer. I, I should probably figure out how to do this the right way before trying to do another one. But it was all about fix and flips for me and wholesaling. And it took me a little while to get that in a rhythm. And then I got into buy and holds. I was a fix and I'm a veteran fix and flipper. Got I wouldn't it. do it right now though, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you graduated now, so you understand yeah. more. So all good. Uh, uh, Stacy. For me, my journey was a little bit different. So I started with just going to real estate investing clubs, just trying to get as much knowledge as I can. I'm very, I'm very analytical, overly analytical at times. And so for me, I have to have all of the information to feel comfortable. So I went and I, then there was some seminar coming into town and I was like, yes, I want to get educated. So I spent my $40,000 and got an education that was quite awful and missing mm -hmm. about 90% of the actual information that you need. So as I got started, it was a very bumpy start because every single thing I didn't know what I was doing because of how much was missing out of the education. So I started with my first deal was a fix and flip about two hours away. And the market that I lived in at the time was both com very competitive and expensive. And I didn't have a lot of capital. I, I, almost, I didn't have any capital really. So I'm not even, I just really didn't have capital. So it was, I was really having a difficult time. So I found a fix and flip a couple hours away. And then I ended up, one of the teachers in the program was talking about remote investing. It was a Canadian investing in the US. And I was like, wait, can you tell me more? Because I'm having a very difficult time where I live. And so I learned very early about investing remotely and creating systems and teams mm -hmm. in, in other markets. And so right after my first fix and flip, I bought a duplex fixer upper, then another duplex. And I was doing all sorts of different real estate. I was in, I don't know, seven different markets with eight different strategies. I was a hot mess, but I learned a lot really quickly, a lot of what not to do. Uh, but that's how I got started. And so I was in small multifamily about a year in, I started a property management company in Detroit, which is where I had moved at the time. And it was through that, that I started learning about apartment investing because my clients. I was investing in all sorts of stuff, but not apartments yet. My clients were buying apartment buildings in Detroit because of how cheap it was. And so I was learning then all about apartments, but from the management side. And that's where I really learned about like how to do value add. I didn't know what it was called, but I understood how to like how to make that happen and to improve operations. And that was where it started for me becoming aware of apartment world. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So you were doing this, you were managing these things remotely. What year was this when you started this too? Did, did you have the modern, the modern softwares and all of that to be able to manage this and, or even cell phones that could even send pictures back and forth? Was it, was it was 2003. I did yeah, not have a smartphone. Not. I don't know if they existed or not, but you no, know, everything was, I had a fax machine 
So there was that. And all of my offers went out via fax. Are you going to tell the room about the monster in the room with all the papers? Oh my God. (laughs) Okay. Yes, I will. So a lot of it at the time was figuring out what was available online in the different areas and trying to figure out the resources. But a lot ended up being like, I could do like Google Maps. Gosh, was it around yet? I don't, I didn't discover Google Maps right away. So I don't know if it was around or not, but it was just figuring out what was available, talking to people who were local in the market, learning as much as possible. And I would oftentimes find resources through talking to them. But a lot of it was conversation with boots on the ground, professional business owners in that market that were doing it and just learning to, to manage them. It has become infinitely easier, obviously with FaceTime and Zoom and Marco Polo. And there's so many resources now that didn't exist then, that it's it's a piece of cake compared to how it was then. But it was really the only thing that I knew. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have anything to say this is harder or easier. I just, that was, that was just how it was. And it worked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now it works easier. So let's fast forward to today, what types of things do you, do you get yourself involved in now you've progressed past like all of the learning curves and all of that, you know, or maybe there's still learning curves. I know I'm still learning every day, but what types of things are you involved in today now? Yeah, for us right now, what we're doing is we're really focused on seller financing based on how everything's going on in the economy. So we're looking for the 15 to 35 unit property. That size right there is really good for us because it's a smaller raise And then it's also, we're actually doing it in markets where we're already established too. So we're able to leverage our boots on the ground team that's already in those markets. So right now it's 15 to 35 units. We do actually have a 13 unit. It's it's just under the 15 mark, but it's still a really good deal. And then there's another one that we might be raising for that's a 48 unit. But that's our sweet spot right now is what we have found is because there's a lot of folks out there and our investors are a little hesitant, a little uncertainty in what's going on in the market. But when you're trying to do a smaller raise and you can still close and continue to build and leverage the market that you're already in, it's a really effective strategy. So that's our biggest point of focus right now. Other than we're also speaking of learning, we're also learning how to really formalize and put together our capital company. And we're learning about fund to funds because we do want to play bigger. And we created an academy where people are actually going out and finding deals and bringing them to us. And we are putting ourselves in the position to be able to fund all of them. And we want to do it with the fund or our own capital company that we could do that with. But we know we could probably go further and farther if we had a fund. So yeah, we're learning yeah. about that right now. That's what we're focused on. Love it. Love it. So you mentioned that you created the Academy. How long ago did that happen? What was the intention for it? Talk a little bit about building that that Academy. So we, it started about just about four years ago. It's October. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, almost it, was, like, it was like November day. 1st that we launched like our first Facebook group. So yeah. it's just been four years. And it's funny because we both had really different motivations for doing that because of how rough my beginnings in real estate were and how I just, I kept hitting my head on everything. And it was just because of how much information was missing. And I became very passionate all the way back then in 2004, I was like, gosh, darn it. I was so frustrated. I spent so much money on this terrible education. And I was like, if I ever figure this out, and I was not positive that I would at that point, if I ever figure it out, I'm going to go back and show other new investors, like all this stuff that's missing because people are going to give up. I was so motivated. And clearly this is, it was just part of what my mission ended up being, but 
I was so motivated. I kept going, but I'm like, you know what? Any sane person would have quit by now. And I just was like, that's just, I know real estate is the answer. I know it in my soul. And I don't want people to give up on their dreams. I don't know. I just was, I was, I'm very passionate about people like rising up to, to whatever their potential is. And so I, once I started figuring it out, I have an ability to take complex topics and break them down to where it's very easy to understand. And that's just, it's a gift that I had. I had it in accounting. I have it in real estate, whatever I learn, I can teach. And so I was just very passionate. So I started probably three or four years in, I started just teaching other people who were new or newer so that they could have success and not be losing money and quitting. And so for many years, I was just doing that one-to-one or one-on-one. So for me, my passion for starting the academy was I want to be able to help people get across that finish line because if they can do the first one and then they can believe that it's actually possible for them, it's just a system. Just repeat it. But getting across the finish line of that first one is it's like such a big win for people that if I could get them there, then I, then we can definitely teach them the scale. Anyway, Jen had a totally different motivation and I'll let you talk about that. <clears throat> My motivation was like, because I was in corporate America, just grinding for 22 years and then doing real estate on the side for 12 of it. I felt alone at times. And so for me, I thought it would be awesome if we could take this one-on-one model that you've got and go one to many and create a community, especially during these times when at the time, like everybody was sick, COVID was coming out. We were having all of these things where people were like, ah, lockdowns. And the shutdowns, the energy crisis, all of those things hitting, I know that anybody was out there trying to get this done was going to probably revert back to their comfort zone and not keep going. For me, I thought if we had a community, when I was doing this, if I had a community, I would have been able to ask questions, bounce my ideas off of people, not feel so alone. And what if we could do that? What if we could do your vision and my vision and create a whole thing, like a whole container? (laughs) And so that's what we set out to do. And it started with just one little step at a time. And we enrolled into a program that taught us how to create a Facebook group so that we could have a container for that community that we can pour into their hearts and souls and nurture them and teach them the ways. And that was literally the first step. That's what took it to the next level for us and made it start becoming truly possible. Yeah, that's very cool. And we'll get to some of the community in a second, but I'm curious, when you guys were creating this academy, were there any things that kind of stood out to you guys as being, these are points that people always struggle with. These are always the the things where people run into this and it's a roadblock for them. I'm just curious if anything comes to mind as, as far as these were the hot button issues or the top topics, if you will, that we felt were, we had to solve and address. There were several. The biggest one that we realized it was very personal to us is that when Stacy and I first met in 2015, she had been teaching people how to do apartments through joint venture. And I thought, you know what, that's perfect because everybody out there, when I went to go learn about commercial investing, it was all about syndication. I got my education in commercial. And when I did, when I left to go do these things, it's, oh, I've got to have enough money to get a securities attorney and I got to have enough money to get a PPM. What the hell is a PPM? (laughs) And trying to put all of that together at first, it was very daunting. But by the time you do, and then you have a deal and you go to get funded, it's, oh, PS, by the way, you need a sponsor. And so looking at the model where she was teaching people, I thought that's a good differentiation. If we teach people how to stair step using small apartment joint venture strategy and scale into apartments, larger syndicated apartments, that's probably the best bet. And then you don't have to rely on a sponsor. And you're also stair stepping into an asset that you already know how to hold, how to manage that asset. So you don't lose it. 
that was the first one. And I'll let you talk about the others. That was um, the biggest one. Yeah, I think I had been working with brand new investors for many years. I was very associated to like the fears, the doubts, all of the things that brand new people were facing. And back then I was training on fix and flips and apartments. I had like different students and a lot of it was mindset. A lot of it was mindset and people have a, especially when they're new, any business owner, right? When you're getting into business, you're like, oh man, can I do this? And, and you feel like an imposter because you're presenting as one thing, but you're just getting into it and just learning. So there's a lot of mindset around, especially with new investors, like, I'm saying I'm an investor, but I don't feel like an investor, right? Like I say I'm a business owner, but I don't feel like a business owner because I just started. So there's a lot of belief that people struggle with when they're new. So mindset was a huge one. On the logistics side, remote investing was one of the one of the biggest things. And so many of our students live in markets where they just couldn't do it there, not cash flow. And since the academy is for multifamily, and we did both, we had the two to four unit you know, program and the apartment program. Uh, but many people didn't live where they could invest successfully. And they knew that we taught remote because we talked a lot about it, but it was a, it was a really big mental shift that people struggled with, but they know they knew they needed it and they wanted it. But that was one of the biggest things. So it was really teaching people like it's really not much different at all from the way you would handle something where you live. You're still going to open up your laptop and look at contractors and make phone calls. You're still going to look up insurance agents and make phone calls. Property managers make phone calls and interview. It's the same thing that you do there. The bigger difference is that instead of you running around and running to Home Depot and going and seeing, seeing, smelling, touching, hugging, you know, sniffing all the properties, you're getting a, a team of people who are professionals on the ground who are experts in that market, in their field. And instead of you being the doer of everything, you are now the leader and the project manager. You're the one who knows all the pieces. None of your team knows all the pieces. They know their piece and they know their piece really well, better than I ever would. Like, I'm, what are, I, I can go inspect a property. What am I looking at? Yep, it's a, <laughs> yep, that's plumbing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was really just empowering them to understand that what you're paid to do as a real estate investor is not so much invest in real estate. It is, you're a highly paid problem solver because that's all it is, an endless string of problems and a highly paid project manager. And once I could, help them to wrap their mind around that and then just hold their hand. Cause it's scary when you're first, anything is scary and you're first doing it and just literally hold their hand through each scary step. Just be like, just one step at a time, just the next step. And it could get them like across and then close. And once they've closed that first one, their, their confidence, like they're like, okay, I am an investor. I can do this. And now they have credibility with the, the brokers and realtors, with the lenders, with JV partners, with investors, and just with themselves and on the mindset front, Jen just that's she's master. She's a master in mindset. I'll let you talk a little bit more about that part, but that's, yeah, I think that um, we realized that there was an opportunity in multifamily in that space to absolutely hundred percent address mindset. Cause it's about 80% of the business. And there's five reasons why most people quit in any endeavor as they're on this path to mastering a new skill. It's usually on like level two where they're finally aware that they're incompetent at something and they're trying really hard to become competent at it, but they're tied to the old identity. And when you're tied to that old identity, the way you show up in the, the new identity, it, there's friction and it's just really important to do the reps. So we also decided that we would differentiate and put mindset into the business so that the students would understand that you're perfectly human if you're afraid right now. 
And it's perfectly good that you just do these reps and you'll become to get, feel more competent and then you're going to feel more confident and then your results are going to scale from there. Uh, but yeah, the mindset piece of it, it really is 80% of any business and the 20% is the logistics or the mechanics of how you set it up, how you run it. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. That's, and I'm so glad that you guys do touch on the mindset because that is the biggest thing. If you're, if you have the confidence and you actually touched on it a second ago too, Stacy, where you're saying how you look at plumbing and what is it that I'm going to look at? What am I going to say is wrong with the plumbing? I, I feel like a lot of people get caught up in the, the minutia of things and feel like they need to know all parts of how everything fits together and vice versa. If you already know all of that stuff, then you get involved in actually trying to tell everybody else what to do and how to do it rather than just stepping back and letting somebody else take over and do their job, do their work, right? So it's almost one of those things where you know, you need to realize where that wall is, where you shouldn't step on the other side of that. And mindset is a big part of that too, being able to understand these just recognize when you're stepping into that part where you're not supposed to be playing in that role. Talk a little bit about how you guys, because what is your Facebook group up to right now? There's a substantial number of people in your Academy Facebook group, right? Talk a little yeah. bit about like growing that community and what that was like when you were getting it started. You that Even starting a community, that's something that not that many people have done. So just like looking at plumbing and what the, what am I going to tell somebody about plumbing, talk a little bit about those initial steps to get that thing moving and getting people to come in and want to join your group. The very first thing that we, we had to decide was what's the purpose of the group? What's our desired outcome? And we wanted it to be in alignment with what our values were and our mission. And because we were driven to try and help so many new people, we decided to make the group about, Hey, we're just going to give you all this free content and our entire blueprint. We're going to do weekly trainings. You can come and you can get these topics and you can learn about it. And then if you decide that you need help and you need us to hold your hand, then book a call with us and we'll talk about that and explore how we can put you in a program where we hold your hand through it. So that, that was our initial situation was to what's the real outcome that we want, the desired outcome. We want to build a community. We also wanted to look, we looked at so many different ways where if we created this community, it was going to attract so many people. It was going to attract lenders. It was going to attract brokers. It was going to attract realtors. It was going to attract people who wanted to learn. It was going to attract people who had deals, but wanted to post them. So we thought, man, we could really make a pretty cool container here and people can post deals and people who are looking for them can do this. So we just went for it. We literally just went for it and decided to commit and put a whole bunch of training out there so that people could consume it. And then sure, sure enough, they would reach out and say, okay, I get that you're doing this. By the way, that's really awesome. This is like the best content because it's free. I can't imagine what would happen if you actually held my hand and we were like, cool, let's do this. And that's how it started. We started enrolling people because they wanted to learn it after they went through our blueprint and saw all of our trainings. They were like, what I need to implement this and I'm getting stuck on what to do. Now I know how are the things that I need to do, but like what and how do I do them? And that's when we really started getting them on the phone and talking to them about what are your resources? What's your strategy? What's your desired outcome? And that's how we approach everything is what's your desired outcome and how do we get you there? But the outcome has to come first. What do you really want first? And then we backwards plan it. That group was, my God, I still remember the first time we celebrated that we had 200 people in it, right? <laughs> we have 27,400 in there right now. And the first 200 was probably the most fun 
probably had the most fun with the first 1200. Yeah. But the first 200 were basically friends and family. Mm -hmm. And that helped the algorithm start putting our group in front of other people in the feed, friends of our friends and family. And we started attracting more people. We also just through word of mouth, communicating out there in other groups that we were a part of, that we had this group. And so people started joining the group because we were adding value in other groups. And I don't think we really, we never really ran ads to it until we got to about 18,000 people in it. 18,000 people in a Facebook group, completely organic. Wow. Then we started turning on ads and that's what got us to 27,000. And the 27,000 is such a big group now that it's very hard to get in front of them. So we have to run ads for trainings and get them into the training so that we can still continue to nurture them because they actually have to go to the Facebook group and see what's going on usually before we're in their feed. But it has been, it was a really cool experience. It was trying at times, but still fun. So now that you guys have this large successful group, I, I feel like that's, that's a goal that a lot of people have is to create this group that is very successful. But then there's, like you just mentioned, Jen, there's some complexity with still getting in front of these people, even though that they're in the group. Would you say that there's like a sweet spot that, that you guys have identified where not necessarily growing too large, where you may not necessarily be able to interact with everybody? You mentioned too, Jen, that you had the most fun with the first 1,200 people. Is there a balance there where gets to be too big and too difficult to be able to manage. So maybe yeah. having this huge group shouldn't be the goal, right? I, yeah, a thousand percent. Yeah. But it's interesting because I have literally kept track. I, I'm a big documenter because I don't know why. I just fascinate. Data fascinates me. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> so I, I look at the days where it was 200 to 5,000 versus the days of 5,000 to 12,000 versus the 18,000 to now. And the sweet spot, the place where we had the most fun, where and we were in people's feeds, being able to interact and adding the most value was between five and 12,000 people. Okay. It was a lot of fun in the beginning before we got to that 5,000 because it was just, I don't know, I can't explain it. We just had fun. And it, we literally would just create new things and be like, oh, what's going on in the economy? Oh, bing, this is happening. Oh, cool. Bridge loans are out. Let's do that. By the way, let's talk about that. Anyway, that doing all these new things that we would just, we were like a broker of information. Like, here's what's going on in the economy. Here's a strategy you should use. And that was fun because it also helped us put gas on the fire with our own portfolio yeah. because we're not just here to tell you how to do it. We're doing it. And because we're doing it, we can tell you those things. So that just made it more fun. Where it started to become a lot more troublesome was the larger it got. So north of 18,000, it just was a slow roll. And we realized all of a sudden people weren't really coming to the trainings anymore. And we weren't really getting in front of anybody. So then it was less fun because we weren't impacting as many people. And we want our whole purpose in life is we want reach and we want impact on people's lives. And so it just became less fun because it became more work. Zuckerberg, as soon as your Facebook group gets really big, he really starts messing with your algorithm, right? Mm -hmm. And then also when that group gets really big, you don't have as much control over what people are posting. Here's a lesson for you. If you start a group and people are posting links in that group that drive them out of Facebook, Zuckerberg hates you. And he will literally punish you and put your group to the bottom of a list where no one can see you until you behave like a good girl. And that's the lesson that we learned. It was like, oh, we probably shouldn't be putting those links in there. And then sure enough, even just as recently as two weeks ago, he has a bot that's going into our Facebook group and deleting comments that have links 
that drive people outside of that Facebook group. We're driving them to trainings and to Zoom links and things mm -hmm. where we're educating them in a different space. But he prefers that you do it in the Facebook group. So we started doing lives in the Facebook group and streaming live so that people have to go there to watch it. So you just have to stay in tune with what Zuck's trying to accomplish and then just play by the rules and your group will be there. But when it comes to the group is still fine, but it was more fun when it was a little mm -hmm. bit smaller. And if I had to do it all over again, I'd probably just launch a different Facebook group and tell everybody, hey, we're doing a new one. Come over here. This one's dying and then move everybody. So that, there's the, the pros and the cons of it, but it was, it's been a fun experience and I don't regret it. It's definitely an amazing group. Yeah, that's really cool. Do you have any other insights or things like that? You mentioned how Zuck likes to control things. Are there any other things that you've noticed over the years that you shouldn't do this or that? Absolutely. There's whenever you are, when you're going live in the group, like you have to see is Zuck honoring lives right now? Is that what he's yeah. promoting? Sometimes he's promoting when you're going live. And then sometimes he's, he will put, you know how you have, you can set up your posts where it's like a colored background and just words and text. There was a period of time where those were what was flying the other. And then there was a period of time where those were no longer flying and the emojis came out. So whenever you see something new happen in Facebook, he clearly wants to promote it because he probably gets kickbacks from whoever's creating those things. But you know how you can create your avatar and it's, and it's doing something on the, if you, there was a period of time where those were just flying and he would put those in front of anybody because they're trying to promote those little emoticons or those emojis. And I'm sure it's probably because he gets a kickback, but you just have to pay attention to what's new and what can we do to mirror that so that we get the attention and we can join the cool guys and the cool kids that are doing this. So that was one knowing and knowing when to go live. He does not really like static videos. You're either live or you're not. Hmm. If you post a static video, it really will not gain much traction. If you go into your Facebook group analytics and just see like the growth rates and what's going on in there, you're going to see that any static video that you posted probably didn't get in front of a lot of people, but the picture that had your avatar on it got 2000 views and you're, you're like, wow. <laughs> but everything else was like 114 views on a static video that you posted. You could go live and you have a, a whole bunch of views. There's like over a thousand. So it really just depends. You have to try stuff. You have to put something in place, test it, analyze it, see what you got. So you take massive action know what you are trying to accomplish, take massive action, then monitor what you're getting. And then if you're not getting what you want, adjust mm -hmm. and, and figure out, okay, what's the next way that I can post this. And one of the things that works out best for us is we will stream live in our Facebook group. And then we will do a post the next day. Did you miss this training? And if people did, what we do is we take the link of the training where we streamed it live, copy that link because it's in the group and then reply to them saying, go check it out here because it gets lost in the mm -hmm. feed. So they can just click on that link. It keeps them in Facebook. It keeps them in the Facebook group and they still get access to the training. And that's just a workaround that we literally put in place three weeks ago. And we might have to change it four weeks from now. For sure we will. It's just, yeah. So if you're going to create a Facebook group, just literally embrace the idea yes. that you're never going to have a perfect system. It will never be on autopilot. Zuck's going to keep you on your toes because he really ultimately wants you to run ads and any type of organic growth that you're trying to accomplish He's going to, he, he just has systems to knock that down. So you've got to figure out how to play by his rules in your favor. Yeah. And that's something that we've been doing for 40 years. That's interesting. Uh, and how do you go and identify what might be new and trending? What Are there certain sites or certain pages that you would go to as these guys are on top of it all the time and they're always trying new things and then go and copy them? Or how do you identify those things that you can even try? Because I'm thinking about 
okay, I want to start my Facebook group, but I don't even know what are the new things that I can even try and test. And uh, actually one other thing too, I'm assuming that you also don't want to do more than try one more, try more than one thing at one time, because then you don't know what the lever is that is impacting yeah. that result, right? You, yes, you would. You definitely want to try the scientific methods. I would say this, join Facebook groups and see what they're posting and look at the bottom right corner that shows the number of views, right? Views, if there's a lot of views on it, then that worked. That's how I determined that what was trending. I would look in these Facebook groups and I would identify, okay, this is what. So if you carve out about an hour a week to just go into other groups that have the same size as you and see what's working, look in that bottom right corner. And then it is perfectly okay. We will do something where I will post it in written form. I will post it in a static video, the same words that I just wrote in, in written form, and then make a static video and post that. And I will also go live and talk about it. And I will find out which one is doing the best that week. And then I'll know, okay, this was the one that's trending. So next week, we're just going to do this. And then we'll see. And then it fatigues after a while. So you got to do another test again. You have to test the written. You have to test this, the static video and then test going live with that same exact verbiage and then just see which one is clicking for you. It's, it's definitely not for the faint of heart. Facebook groups are not for yeah. the faint of heart. If you see anybody who's got a Facebook group north of 20,000, pray for them. Yeah. <laughs> Send them light and love. The, oh, they're, they're working. The, and you mentioned the static video. Is that just a video that's not live? Is that what? Yeah. It's like a pre-recorded yeah. video. You hold your hand. You're, hey guys, today we're going to talk about blah, 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 blah. Cool. Boom. Stop recording. Post. Upload it upload it, put your comments. A live video would be like, pff, click, okay, I'm going live. I, okay, we're live on Facebook. You know what I mean? Yeah. So static meaning that it's not in an, an, an live engagement where people will see, oh, Matt's live right now. Let me join. Yeah, It's just a static. And, and if you are going live and you don't have anybody in your group yet, does it get shown anywhere else? Or would you go live on your own personal feed and then tell everybody to go over there? Is that? Yes. There's, yes, there's definitely a strategy to leverage your own personal Facebook sure. profile in the beginning. We did that. We did that. We called it, what do you call it? Guerrilla tactics. Uh -huh. <laughs> Guerrilla marketing. Yeah. Guerrilla marketing tactics. Jay Conrad. Um, it, it was literally just saying it on your own personal profile and then directing them to the group. That was probably the first six months of our group growth was getting that in there. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I remember early on that was, I, I think, really pivotal for like getting things going and creating momentum for those people who are, are like for you, you're trying to start something or someone else. One of the things we did like on our personal, we do highly leverage our personal profile, but we put like the banner of our Facebook group as our, was it called? Cover profile? photo. Oh, as our cover photo and say, and it had an arrow, click here uh, to go to our Facebook group and you click it. It's just a picture. So it doesn't really go anywhere, but it opens up the thing on the side and then you put the link to the group. So in the beginning, nobody sees your group, your group's not being recommended. So the best you can do is get people to, to see you. And when we were new, one of the ways we, it, it was all in line with what our values are, which is serve, give good content, serve as we grow. And so what we would do is we went to groups that were like similar to where like our customer would be. So there was like the BR group and other multifamily groups and flipping groups. And we're like, there's going to be other real estate investors there. Let's just go and contribute. We have so much knowledge. And so we have so much to give for new people. So people would ask questions and I'd be in there answering their questions. And, and then people would be like, oh, and they'd send a friend request and they would come. And then I'd be like, oh, we have just, we have a Facebook group for multifamily. If that's something you're interested in, it's a community. And we just started. So we did a lot of just serving and giving in other groups 
to allow people to be like, oh, who is this? Yeah. But we wouldn't say, we wouldn't go into someone else's group and say, hey, come join our group. No. We would just serve mm-hmm. by answering questions for people who are new. And, and then if they were friends with us, then we could invite them to our groups. So that's how things got a, a lot of traction. So it's like finding who's your customer yeah. and where do they hang out? And then what can you do to add value? But of course you add too much value and you get the attention of the group owner, then you're toast. Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) And the cool cool part about that strategy is that you can literally target people who are, for us, we, there's an active investor and there's a passive investor and we help both, Mm -hmm. right? So when we're adding value like that, we're literally trying to find out, are you an active investor or are you somebody who's trying to invest passively? So there's ways that you can strategically funnel out there and attract both types of the people that you can help. So as we were mostly raising, we could raise capital doing that same exact strategy. And if they wanted to become an active investor, we can teach them that it's like we have the container for both. So Facebook groups are really good for that. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So when you, I feel like I just want to reemphasize this because this is something that I just quite literally learned a month ago or so. I always felt like I knew what the hell people wanted to hear. I, I felt like I was the one who had all of the knowledge and I, I know what people want to learn. And I just, I started going to uh, YouTube and looking at specific people's accounts and look at whatever the popular, most popular topics are, top, uh, popular videos. And it's already right there for you, right? The ones that have the most comments or most subscriptions, likes, all of that type of stuff. Just find out what that topic is and then create more of that type of content. Is that basically what you guys are doing inside of the groups to be able to determine? No. Okay. So I missed it there. <laughs> no, you're good. I like your strategy. I, was, yeah, I, I, like I like that, that strategy <laughs> a lot. I don't, I, I'm not even shunning that. I think that's a good one. One you can also add is that when you're in the Facebook group, you create a poll post. And you literally Mm. control the options of, hey, let's just say there's eight different topics that you know that you can add value and just put in there. Hey, I'm taking a poll. I'm getting ready to do a training next week. And these are the topics that I can present. Who wants to hear what? Vote. Make your vote. We literally did that for the first year in our Facebook group. And that way you're meeting Mm. them where they are and you're giving them the content that they want, not what you think they need to hear. Because, you know, you need to tell them what they need and then show them what they really need. Yeah. All right. So that was so valuable. I know that I'm going to start using some of these techniques and our team is going to start using some of these techniques. So really good information. So if you want to learn more from Jen and Stacy, actually, interestingly enough, they are not directing you to a Facebook group, but rather a YouTube channel. If you go on to YouTube and you search Apartment Investing with Jen and Stacy. They actually have their complete blueprint up there that they follow when they are actually looking for properties themselves. So this is their A to Z blueprint. This takes you through all of the steps. So go ahead and check that out if you are interested in uh, getting involved into multifamily real estate. And remember, if you are an accredited business owner, go ahead and check us out at investinsquarefeet.com. We are a group of business owners who are investing into real estate to grow our net worth together. So go ahead and check us out, investinsquarefeet.com.